3: welcome you to porch talk this is your host alan and i've got a very interesting guest with me today uh he he hails from across the pond and he's over here trying to catch some stories about columbus uh how you doing jack
1: i'm good how are you alan
3: good man so uh this ain't your first rodeo in america right
1: that's right yeah
3: so the first time you're here tell me a little bit about why
1: what'd you do and what brought you over here First time I came, so I'd been here a couple of times before, you know, big tourist spots, New York, L.A., and I'd always just had more of an interest in middle America and smaller places and Mm -hmm. smaller communities. So I was probably about 25, I did a road trip cross-country, Miami to L.A. through the south. Nice. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it Uh and the people and, you know, just rolling into a small town and pitching up in a local bar and talking to people Mm -hmm. and it's just fed this this hunger ever since to to come back and do that as often as i can yeah and now you're back so Mm -hmm. that that first time you was riding like amtrak's right so yeah yeah that was um that actually that was this year i that was amtrak across the north that first time i went through was driving through the south oh okay yeah And that the Amtrak is when you did your first podcast, right? Amtrak was the first podcast earlier this year and that was, you know, through the prairies, middle of January, February, freezing. Yeah. Just stopping in little towns and talking to people about their lives. So like what did that look like? You were just interviewing people on the train? So I wish I could have done more of that. One of my favourite episodes was on the train, a guy called Matt. We just struck up a conversation and I asked if I could record it. It was so meaningful and heartfelt, but Yeah. Um, That's kind of ma- interesting too, because you ain't got nowhere else to be, you
3: know, till you get to your destination. Yeah,
1: and it's funny how on the Amtrak the whole vibe changes over the course of the day, because you kind of wake up and you have your breakfast, and you sit in the observation car, and it's kind of a lot of families, and they're playing cards, and they're just looking out the window, and then when after dark, you know, people just start drinking and yeah. chatting, and it just turns into a kind of party vibe, <laughs> people all spilling their guts to each other, and um, yeah, that was great. But no, largely, I was I was couch surfing, um, you know, it's a way to do it cheaply and, and meet people and stay with locals, and I would just interview the couch surfing hosts I had.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you got
1: back, and
3: uh, did th- that podcast won an award, didn't it?
1: It was nominated for one, yeah, British okay. Podcast Awards, Best New Podcast, which was um, crazy. I mean, I was very flattered, but I just thought, God, I want to make more of this. You know, yeah. I love talking to people, and... Wanted to find a way to come back and, you know, traveling is expensive. And so started looking at ways to do it where I wouldn't have to pay somewhere and t- to stay somewhere. And uh, so I looked at house sitting yeah. and uh, landed on Columbus six weeks. Man, of all the places, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> right, yeah. So what do you make of Columbus,
1: man? The friendly city.
3: The friendly city. Well, it lives <laughs> up to the name. Um, yeah, we were talking a little bit before about misconceptions. Definitely. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I grew up just across the state line, and when we got our driver's license, you had two options. You could go to Tuscaloosa, but uh, Jason Isbell, he has a song called Speed Trap Town, Mm -hmm. and that was the reason why we didn't go to Tuscaloosa because there was a speed trap town named Gordo. And so if you were a teenager... Uh, going to and from my hometown to Tuscaloosa, you were probably going to get pulled over or go through a roadblock or, you know, just un- unwanted trouble. Hmm. So we would hang out in Columbus. And, uh, like, what did you say that one guy told you? He said, you better bring your gun down? Yeah,
1: I was at a bar <laughs> 15, 20 minutes up the road yesterday. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were really talking down on it. And uh, I found it been really nice welcoming Yeah, that's true of everywhere right? you know that's part of what i'm trying to do with this series being here is i feel like a lot of people they have an idea of what they think mm-hmm. mississippi is or even the south if they've just never been to the south and it's often unflattering and it's often unfair and and so i want to look at that and talk to people and interrogate it and yeah get to
3: the bottom of it yeah Of uh, that's the same thing with some of the blues musicians that I've interviewed and had on the show, and that was one thing that I wanted to be real careful about is I wanted uh, not to come in with any any ideas or what I thought. I wanted them to tell the story and set the record straight themselves, and you know, because they're not going to be around forever, and then yeah. all you'll have is what people say, mm. and oftentimes it isn't true, you know.
1: Yeah. So. It's- no it's great it's amazing what you're doing it's um what is it 400 over 400 episodes this would be 416 416
3: wow it's about uh i've been doing it a little over four years now and typically i average about 100 episodes a year wow (laughs) and we're trying uh we're working hard to start making more
1: content and maybe three to four a week (laughs) up in the ante man I really admire it it's very cool very and it's
3: cool. it's kind of the same thing that what you're trying to accomplish because I, I will take Skype calls uh, I've talked to a guy from South Africa mm. uh, I've talked to people from New York, California uh, just all over the Texas but I, I really do like the in person sit downs just like this and go go where they are and kind of just hang out yeah
1: just hang out just have a chat yeah how far do you go sorry I'm asking you questions no now. it's fine we'll do a little
3: cross examination <laughs> but uh
1: I've I've
3: driven four hours to do a podcast okay All I right. drove down to the coast a couple times hmm those were some uh this was during the pandemic and so there were a couple of singer songwriters and bands down in Mobile that I wanted to make sure I got on the show the Rick Strays. And uh, my friend, Abe Partridge.
1: Right, okay.
3: And it's like, this show does focus a whole lot on music. And, like, I've done a lot of work in Birmingham, Alabama. I probably interviewed close to 20 musicians. Mm. And I was like, that has to about cover it. I ain't even halfway there, you know? (laughs) So much work to do. Mm. And that's kind of my thing is, like, I'm trying to... Give everyone an idea of what Birmingham or what uh Columbus sounds like or Starbucks sounds like, yeah, talk to the business owners and like what's what's this place all about yeah, but uh, and I, that's kind of like what you're doing, and I do enjoy those podcasts like this american life yeah Of uh, and i I knew one of the towns that they did uh one of the popular ones is called uh s town,
1: right, yes, it's about yes.
3: Woodstock. And so Woodstock is not far from Tuscaloosa, mm. and a lot of people knew John B. and a lot of those characters in that podcast. And they was like, "That guy from New York did not do a good job." Really, he made it. He made it sound like it was just a, a racist crap hole town, mm. and it's not. Yeah, it, maybe it used to be, but it's not that way anymore. Mm. And you know, the I don't know if you've listened to that podcast, but uh, yeah, it, yeah. John B. is that dude was crazy as a loon. You know. Yeah.
1: and if you you just interview those people then you get yeah you get a great story but you don't get the full picture right and it's funny i found being here even just being here a few weeks i now have this feeling like a sense of duty or a sense of obligation to columbus to to do it justice and Mm -hmm. to get the full picture Mm -hmm. you know i came and it was like i just wanted to talk to different people get some good stories but you know, then I'll hear something from someone else, and I want to. I want to cover every part of it, and um, it's. You're right. You know, it's very easy to just tell one version of the mm-hmm. story, or tell a convenient version, or yeah, one that feeds people's you know preconceived ideas of it. And of course, not all of it is going to be great, but a lot of it, you know, is there is nuance to it. Yeah, exactly. Like
3: people that are uh, outside of Columbus, and you know, they kind of speak. <laughs> negatively of it and i mean you're living right in the heart of it and yeah i, I don't understand what you're where you're coming I haven't from haven't been shot yet so. yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed right yeah <laughs> so uh with what you're working on now what all kind of type of people and stories
1: uh are you trying to capture you're talking to business owners or so it sort of started out that way it was a good way to just make people meet people just walk from store to store and just say hello and Get Start a conversation and, you know, I have, I've, so I have met people that way. I interviewed Emily in the bookstore and Fred in the antique store. And, yeah. and what I like is seeing how they cross over as well. So, you know, like I, I bought this broken watch in the antique store, cracked glass and half a strap. And I thought, oh, I'll take it into the clock watch place on 5th and they can repair it. And then I might try and do an interview with them as well. Mm-hmm. Just see how people's lives kind of crisscross. Oh, yeah.
3: Yes, interesting.
1: Yeah, how did you find out about uh, Munson? I think a couple of people had just told me about it, mm-hmm. and um, might have been Fred had told me about it as well. So I went in and uh, yeah, I spoke to Ryan. That was that was fun. Mm-hmm. But Munson seems to be it's real hub. It is. There was a uh, a
3: band from New Orleans. Of mm. uh, they came to town. They were playing a house show here. And the day they came to Columbus, they were a couple of days early, and they just asked some of the locals, where's the hub at? And everyone's like, go to Monson Brothers. Hmm. That's that's where you need to go
1: if you want to meet people. Yeah. It's encouraging as well, because I feel like a lot of small towns are shrinking, and to see new places kind of opening up mm-hmm. is encouraging.
3: It's, the uh, I'm sure you got into it with Monson, but... I've, that building it used to be just an apothecary mm. like some of his wares like the the oils and the balms and mm. that was all there was yeah and at one point a church met in the back and uh, and now you got a full pizzeria you know and a beer garden it's yeah. kind of crazy how the the business has grown
1: it really has it's um, great pizza great people went and watched the world cup there oh yeah a lot of world <laughs> cup parties <laughs> You didn't come out to our storm party, did you? No, you there for that. No, that's where I met Jordan. Oh really? She okay. came out that night. Oh, that yeah. would have been fun. I was see, it's been my first storm, first tornado, so I took it super seriously. Oh yeah, so I was siren's going off.: Siren's going off. my phone <laughs> made a noise never made before, and I was sheltering in the in the toilet: mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the best place to be. Yeah, just uh, find yourself a room with no windows. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah growing up here dude it was uh the house i grew up in it had a storm shelter uh it was in the bank of a hill wow and they dug it out and you would just go sit in that hillside until it passed
1: wow it's very sobering just that you get the sense like nature is going to do what it wants to do and you can't fight it really yeah
3: Y'all, y'all, y'all don't have like, any kind of natural disaster kind of storms over there. Do no, you?
1: it's made me feel very lucky. I mean, you know, we'll get the odd storm, kind of wind, fast winds and rain, but not, never tornadoes yeah. or earthquakes. I think that is just
3: specific <laughs> to this part of the world, too. Mm. I don't really hear about it anywhere else.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not and sure. And it's,
3: it's here, this part of the south, and then
1: uh, like Kansas and Oklahoma. Right, so Midwest. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's interesting when you look at America. There's almost no part of it that doesn't have some kind of natural. Is that hurricanes and stuff? Wildfires, you know, out west. Mm-hmm. Tornadoes, flooding, extreme heat, extreme cold. Yeah. Pick your poison, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it amazes me that anyone ever settled there. You know, before we had, you know, heating and big oh, trucks yeah. and all of this stuff to kind of handle it. wild (laughs) yeah
3: so uh i I thought last night we were gonna have another storm and it may be tonight because like what it is anytime you have this it's unseasonably warm right now and so you have the cold fronts up north pushing against this gulf warm front Mm -hmm. and whenever they clash here comes some severe weather (laughs) so you can about bank on it but uh maybe not
1: I was going to try and interview someone from the news station. Oh, that would be good. WCBI? Yeah. Yeah, you should. I know a couple guys that work there. Because uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was like a. The sequence of events was like a movie. Because <laughs> I was like, you know, I knew it was coming, but I was watching the weather, and then the news just cut out, just went off air. And I'm thinking, like. Is it still there? Is the station still there? It's only three blocks away. is yeah. <laughs> it been blown away? You know, and then the sirens start going in and the phone starts <coughs> screeching this alert. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's, it's wild. Uh, in Alabama, a lot of people watch him here. Uh, he's based out of Birmingham. Mm. He's a meteorologist. His name is James Spann. Right. He wears suspenders. Okay. And... If his uh, suit jacket comes off, things are getting serious. If those suspenders come off, you better get somewhere. shit's about to hit the fan. Yeah, like, tell me a little bit about, like, growing up and where you're from.
1: Sure. So, I mean, I'm born and raised in London, England, and that's why people always seem to think, say, like, how did you end up here? Why would you want to come here? This must be so boring. And... I don't know if it's just grass is greener if you grow up in a big city, you know, I certainly am drawn to smaller places, but yeah, I, you know, I grew up in a big city and just, maybe it was growing up on American culture. Yeah, but I always loved watching those films like you know Back to the Future, where it's like a small town where, you know, there's the courthouse and the square and mm-hmm. and so whenever I arrive in a place like this, I I feel like I'm in a movie. I can see that. And I know the people are very very friendly, but yeah, coming back to where I grew up. So I grew up in North London. Um, anyone that knows London, kind of most well-known place nearby would be Camden Town, which is kind of known for. You know, in the seventies and eighties, it was very alternative. lots of punk music came out of there, and uh yeah, you know London will always be home. I love it. it's a yeah. great city. people should visit if they can, but um you know, I think i'm now it's just I'm drawn to to smaller places, really, yeah,
3: just talking about that punk scene uh growing up, like I had an uh infatuation with uh just music that was coming from there, like I always had a deep appreciation for uh that style of music whether you know it was the Stones or the Ramones mm. or like all of those guys like I I have I prefer like the UK music to United States music. Really? Yeah. That's and funny. it seems like it's always vice versa, you know.
1: Yeah. You always are really into <laughs> something from where you're not. I think yeah, <laughs> there's something in in human psychology there whatever you're used to. Yeah. You seek out the opposite. Um, and it was—it's was always funny, like those time periods. It's like,
3: uh, you know, you take a band like the Rolling Stones, and then next thing you know, the United States
1: is trying to come up with a band to compete with that, you <laughs> right? Know? And they're—they're yeah. they're in qualms. <laughs> yeah, I well, I always thought like, um obviously, many many years before my time, but people would have is it? I guess it'd be like Beatles or mm-hmm. Beach Boys or Rolling Stones. Yeah. And for me, I always preferred the Beach Boys growing up just because it's not what i knew mm-hmm. you know it's the singing about sunshine and girls and surfing and cars that sounded more exciting to me than <laughs> and that,
3: i mean that's a big conversation right here and that's a big rivalry it's like is it the beatles or the beach boys mm. and I was like, that's
1: tough i like them both yeah they're, they're great <laughs> they're both great they're both fantastic um yeah i can't remember was it you always talking about with madness or was that someone else someone else okay well, we wouldn't go there but they know because they are from camden which is where i live at the moment but that, that was the first band that i really really loved yeah yeah no it's always funny that when you meet people and they'll pick up on something where you're from and it's kind of call you out on it yeah uh,
3: you ever l- listen to this <laughs> yeah it's like you know just being in mississippi i mean first thing that probably comes to mind is the blues yeah of course it's uh I'm curious about the history of it myself. I've got an interview coming up. Of the guy I'm going to interview, uh, he's really into the Black Prairie music, mm. and that is starts in Central Alabama, and it runs over just south of here, down in Meridian, where it stops. Mm. And he would make the claim that the Black Prairie in Alabama inspired the blues in Mississippi.
2: Mm
3: but I don't know and that would be a very controversial take yeah because you know Mississippi gets up in arms about that you know whenever Chicago or Memphis tries to claim blues <gasps> yeah they would be like no 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 no, you can't have Elvis <laughs> <laughs> Elvis is ours and the blues is ours yeah <laughs> y'all copied us
1: that's that's funny well no I, I mean I'd love to know an answer to that you should look into it yeah I I'm gonna
3: I'm get after that cat
1: yeah so uh and I mean, I'm sorry you
3: know, go on uh just with just with your stay, like it's kind of funny. Have you, you've been out to Double D's and some of those outside country cars, bars?
1: Yeah. Which is not a strip club, sounds yeah. like it is. Yeah. Just clarify that.
3: <laughs> there is there is one in West Point. A strip club.
1: Yeah. It's yeah, called the, the Pony. mm pony mm-hmm. I went there, I actually interviewed a stripper. Nice. For the for my show. Um <laughs> which great interview. Really great interview. Um yeah. I don't want to give too much away on that one, but yeah. yeah, double D's, that was that was a fun crowd. I played out there one time. Really?
3: Mhm. Yeah. The man it's been years ago. A lot of fun. Those old country bars, I mean, they get a bad rap I think, but like when you actually go out there, unless you're just looking for trouble, you're not yeah. gonna
1: find any, you know? But it's funny, it's like the reverse of what we were talking about. People saying, oh, Columbus is really dangerous. Well, people from Columbus would say, why the hell are you going to go out there? That's, mm-hmm. There you're going to get a broken nose and hang out with, with a bunch of rednecks. And mm-hmm. you show up there and totally nice and charming and buy you a beer and shoot the breeze. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's just that
3: thing. Everybody's just crapping on each other.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then Johnny Kelly's last night, that was... Yeah, kind of uh, I'd never heard of that. Right just at the edge of the highway. Huh. Um, they had a band, it was a Christmas party or something and oh, it had to be a fun night. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was good. But I like those places. Just you rock up and get talking to people and
3: We had something interesting happen last night and I was talking to uh the bartender about it after it was all said and done. And she thought what had happened because like there was a guy of uh, at the bar on the patio last night who was just rubbing everyone raw. And there were some good old boys there that, uh, they were like, look, keep on running that mouth. We're going to, we're going to give you, we're going to sock it to you. And, uh, I mean, he started talking crap back to him, and next thing you know, they're barking and getting ready to bite. And a few of us started working hard to like, like, Okay, let's chill out. Let's. Why don't you just leave? Why don't y'all let him leave? And so, what it ended up doing is they were hiding around the corner, just waiting for him to come out, and they were going to serve him up. So I'm talking to the. Ends up, the bar owner uh, sneaks him out the back to where there's no com, there's no confrontation. But in the midst of all of that, while we're standing outside, a police chase goes by. <laughs> we got a high speed chase. And the risk of a fight. It's like, what more could you ask for in a fight? We got all the action. <laughs> maybe the people were right that I was talking to. Maybe <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be in Columbus. But what the what the bartender was telling me, she's like, uh, I think those cats came from Muddy Waters because I think on the weekends now, uh, Muddy Waters started charging, I think, a $10 cover, and you had to be 25 to enter. Hmm. And those yo- those were younger guys. And so I'm wondering, you know, the princess crowd and the Muddy Water crowd, they don't mix too well. Interesting
1: that. What is it? Because I've, I've been to Muddy Waters and yeah. I've been to the princess. and
3: It's just a different, it's a it's kind of a different group of people, I would mm. say, you know. Uh, from the same place, they're doing the same thing, but yeah. you
1: can't put them in the same room. Wow. Yeah, I went and played beer pong at Muddy Waters. Uh-huh. Yeah, that they was, like that out there. That was, yeah, it was an experience. <laughs> Sure,
3: that was the thing. Uh, the older I get, the worse I get at it. Like, Mm. back when uh, getting out of high school and back in like the college days, oh,
1: we thought we were the greatest. Mm. Now I don't think I could make a cup because that's not an English thing, we don't have that. Oh, yeah, so that was like a fun new experience. And what uh, kind of games do y'all play over there? Drinking game, god, it's been so long since I played drinking games, but. I can't even remember what they would be now. Just the more where you end up mixing everyone else's drinks. It's like horrible, like people put whatever they're drinking into a cup and then you lose and you Ooh. have to drink whatever's there. Ooh, and it's horrible be <laughs> a mixture of beer and vodka and whiskey. It's horrible. Ooh. But no, That's... Muddy Waters I did like, because at least, I mean, I like bourbon. I'm a big bourbon mm-hmm. guy and they don't have spirits in uh, The Princess. Mm-hmm. Much as I love The Princess, <laughs> every now and then I want a whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
3: that is, uh, like, I do like to go down to Zachary's or Muddy Waters sometimes. I like to have an old-fashioned. Oh, yeah, love an old-fashioned. And, uh, I mean, uh, the the princess used to uh, have a liquor license. Uh, It was right before the pandemic that building was leased out to a church. Mm. And six months ago, uh, it's the princess again. And so I don't know, because in Mississippi, if you're going to serve spirits, you have to have a kitchen. You have to serve food, really, and I don't. I don't think. I don't think Bart has any interest in the, uh,
1: in it. I wonder why that
3: is. I don't think. Uh, I think it's the maybe the crowd it draws, and he didn't want to deal with all the the okay. problems.
1: No, I was just wondering why do you have to have a kitchen to serve spirits? Oh, is uh, it, I wonder if it's like intended so that at least you're eating food that you're soaking up the booze, or not? You know, maybe that maybe that's the it.
3: intention, the outside looking in. But I think it's like just. Trying to be hard on, yeah, businesses and things. Yeah,
1: that's funny. I guess there
3: was a bar of it's the tavern now. It's owned by Zacharys. Mm. That used to be a dive bar. It was called the Elbow Room, mm. and that's literally all it was. Right. You get in there on like a Friday or Saturday night, and they would do a punk show. All you 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 would just be elbow to elbow. And uh, they fought for a long time trying to get their liquor license, but mm. they
1: never could get the food part going. Wow. Yeah. I. Uh, it's interesting, the idea of the princess turning into a church. for, Because also, when you're someone that has so many churches, someone said it's like 100 churches for uh, 20,000 people. It's quite ballsy to open another one. Yeah. I mean, how cause how, how can you know that you're going to attract a congregation? I don't know.
3: They were... Uh, I want to say they had that space for a little over two, maybe three years. Mm. I don't know of how successful... It was. It never made sense to me. You know, like, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to have a place of worship where, you know, people were used to be drinking and yeah. everything else. I right? mean, I'm
1: guessing it can't have been if it's not there anymore. I right. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. But it,
3: that's the interesting thing about, uh, just like American Christianity. Like, you know, we have, uh, Catholicism and then you have, uh, evangelicals and that's like Baptist, Methodists and Lutherans and I mean list just goes on and on and now we're at a point to where like that was a, a non denominational church. Right. And so that's the kind of the new thing and I, I guess maybe it was real hip to be uh renting out the, the used to be bar in town. I mean I don't know what the drive was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Kinda crazy. Wow. Yeah. Man, it's pretty uh, amazing just listening to the rain sitting out here. Yeah. I do love the sound of rain. It's a good
3: setup, too. I mean, she's got a lot of uh, foliage out here. Mm. Kind of get to hear it hitting all the leaves and all. Yeah. it's a lot of, and I'm sure you've seen some of it, just taking walks in the evenings. But, I mean, there's some fascinating antebellum
1: homes oh, around here. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the whole porch culture. And I found that even walking, you can walk from the nicest street into a much poorer part of town. And the houses, they all pretty much will have some kind of porch Uh from the biggest, grandest antebellum mansion down to what is almost a shack. And it's like, it's very social. Uh And I kind of would love to be here in the spring or the autumn where people are sitting out a little more. Because you just walk by and people just wave at you and... Uh
3: That's a big part of why this show's called Porch Talk. Yeah. It's kinda it it's start? kind of buying into that, that <laughs> culture, right? Yeah. Of uh, how did it start? Yeah. Uh when I moved back from Mobile the Coast, I was catching up with uh friends that I had grown up with that I hadn't seen in six years. Mm. And we were on a porch and uh, you know, we would bring a guitar or a keyboard out and we would share, you know, whatever we'd been working on. And, you know, next thing I know, I was like I had just got into listening to the podcast, and I was like, I don't think anything like this exists, because you you sit outside on a nice day like today, you got a little rain in the background, it kind of makes you feel like you're there, Mm. and then put a little music at the end, and let it go, Yeah, and you got an episode. Oh, it's crazy. We're just catching up, shooting the bull, and uh, just this is what the... Columbus, Mississippi sounded like on December 11th in 2022.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's very cool. It's a cool project and a nice way of doing it. Yeah. So I wanted to
3: make it feel like the South, you know. Because, mm. uh, I mean, like you said, and I, I like the premise, I think this was like one of the premises that you gave me for the project that you're working on now. It's whenever someone... You know, thinks about America or is wanting to come and visit. It's always Los Angeles or New York. Why not Columbus? Why not? You know, Mm. why not a smaller town or somewhere people don't typically go? Yeah, I would argue maybe because you don't know about it.
1: Probably, yeah. (laughs) Partly that, but I think partly is people do have a idea of what they think it is based on stereotypes or expectation or things they've read. But Mm -hmm. you know, that might. Deter a lot of people from coming, and you know, that's a it's
3: very interesting. Of uh, when I get to talking to people like from the north with like their preconceptions of the dirty racist south, mm. and then they get down here and they realize it's yeah, I mean, there's there's some, but it's not as bad as what you would think, and mm. it's not that apparent, you know, yeah, it's true. But I think it, it's that same idea that we've been kind of back and forth on during this conversation. It's like people outside of Columbus kind of crap on it and people in Columbus kind of crap on anything else. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> have you ever lived in the north? Have you always been inside?
3: I haven't, but I have, a, I have relatives uh, from Michigan mm-hmm. and Oregon, and I have friends uh, from Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. and we'll call and chat, and or they'll come down to visit. And, like, the first time my cousins from Oregon came down, yeah. I don't know if they were messing with me, but they was like, oh, I didn't know y'all wore shoes down here. Like, it's the 2000. Yes, we have shoes. <laughs> that's
1: a, see, that's what everyone says when I, I'm starting each interview I do by just saying, what do you think people that have never been here imagine? And they always say that that we're running around without shoes and i didn't even (laughs) think that was a stereotype (laughs) like they might say racist they might say you know whatever but it that was not the the stereotype i was expecting it's (laughs) hilarious (laughs) no shoes yeah oh and
3: i'll tell you something else like uh friends up north like in michigan will laugh at us uh when it gets cold like in late january Mm. or february and if the roads get a little icy we don't have the equipment that they have yeah. we don't have like the salt trucks and yeah we can't cl- we can't clear our roads like that and mm. so i mean it's how it's a slip and slide man yeah. trying to get to work and a lot of people crash you know they are just laughing at us but they don't <laughs> they don't understand that like we don't have the stuff that y'all
1: have yeah if it doesn't snow that often it doesn't make any sense it's the same in england because we only get snow every few years Mm -hmm. it only lasts a day or two so it doesn't make sense for us to have all of that equipment but it's the same that happens and it just all shuts down Mm
3: -hmm. yeah and everybody's like y'all can't y'all can't overcome this it's like we're not we're just not equipped yeah
2: (laughs) yeah
1: exactly
3: i mean it, it was it was crazy like i think it was last winter in texas uh I think Texas is one of the states that has their own power grid. Right. And a lot of it's run by like the wind turbines, hmm. and the wind term. It got so cold the wind turbines froze up, and so Texas went without power for like a, a week or two. I remember it dropped down really cold, didn't it? Mm-hmm. No, it
1: never gets that cold in Texas. Yeah. yeah and so like
3: that really made them rethink like their energy and their power grids. Like okay, we've got to do a better job if this right. ever happens again.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
3: <laughs> well what about uh, you got your uh, your brother coming over soon yeah uh, is this is going to be his first time in America
1: first time in America
3: so I mean what are you what are you thinking what are you what are you going to show him are you going to let him call some shots or are you just
1: going to you going to just show him well that's I think yeah it'll be a bit of both I like my favorite kind of trip is where you have a end point but no particular route you can just itinerary take, yeah and so he's flying into in and out of New Orleans, and we just got two weeks to kill. We were going to do a loop around the South, start and end there, and just see where you know. I, that's what's great about road trip. You can just say, "Do I want to take a left or a right?" Uh-huh. It, you know, it's up to me. Flip a coin. Flip a coin, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we wanted to hit some juke joints and some blue spots, and uh, yeah. That'll be great, man. Uh, and hopefully he'll come over, you know, with his
3: preconceptions and stereotypes or, you know, whatever else. And, you know, you'll, you'll have that little mind blown, you know. Yeah.
1: And I'm hoping that, you know, I think a lot of people, they might go to New York or LA or San Francisco first. And then if they come back, they'll then they'll maybe go somewhere a little, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle. But so him coming here first... I kind of wonder what that will do for his perception of it and then if he ever goes Yeah, New Yorker Yeah (coughs) You know, I remember someone saying I can't remember what it was that Mississippi is the most American of the states in some ways I've heard that said (laughs) It's uh It's one
3: of the most conservative states in the union Really? And like more left-leaning people in politics say that it's kind of caught in the Stone Age? I mean, that's what conservatism is, right? right. It's like trying to keep everything the same. Right. And so uh, it's like with uh, uh, breweries for beer, mm. the laws have just recently uh, loosened up here in Mississippi, and some of the best beer is made in the state. There's a oh. lot of great breweries in like Hattiesburg yeah. and uh, down in Biloxi. Mm. A lot of great breweries and I mean, Alabama is the twin state. Right. Same thing. It's they say it's lost in the Stone Ages. It'll never catch up. But I mean, uh, we're about to have uh, legal marijuana for uh, medical use. Okay. Uh, I mean, so I mean, slowly but surely. Yeah. Small small steps.
1: Yeah. No, it, it is, and I think you do find people. You know, especially after. COVID people moving out of big cities and seeking out places with a lower cost of living and huge, you know, it's, cities. it's been
3: very interesting seeing that from the small town I'm from mm-hmm. in, uh, Alabama. Yeah. There has been, uh,
0: Buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
4: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. dot com and check out noom's first ever cookbook the noom kitchen for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living available to buy now wherever books are sold
3: coming from big cities Mm. that you know what i can come to this little town uh buy a house for a fraction of the price what it would cost there yeah and i can retire right and i can do what i want to do and I just hope like the word don't get out on that too
1: much. You know? yeah. Well, it's um, a mix, isn't it? Because you kind of, in some ways, having fresh blood and fresh ideas and fresh money can be a good thing. Yeah. But also it then can change the character of an era you're in. For better or mo- worse, right? Locals can get pretty, yeah, frustrated by but, it. Yeah, and that one guy I was telling you about, like when he moved, uh,
3: he's got an obsession with those old Volkswagen uh, vans. Yeah. And so not only did he buy a home, he bought a warehouse, too. And he filled that warehouse up. He's got like 13. And I'm like, my God, man, you were just sitting on a gold mine because everyone loves those things, you know. Mm. Very iconic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ryan's got one, Munson. Yeah, in fact, we did that interview in his van. Did you? Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. We used to do uh,
3: sh- festivals and shows out of that thing. Yeah. and oftentimes the people would come up to us not really interested in the product they were trying to buy the van interesting because we would work out of it yeah know? and then if it was a two-day festival i mean you'd pop the top and you one guy sleep
1: up top and the other one oh, sleep man, down that's low. great i had a fantasy about wanting to get a van like that and and build a little podcast studio in it and just drive around wouldn't that be great be, that would be a and then if you could build an audience and have the branding on the side of it, wherever you go, people would then be like, shit, sure. he's in my town. I'll just email him and say, I've got a good story. And
3: and like with the kind of covers that you and I do, I mean, like that's the kind of people that you want to attract. Yeah. Life, right?
1: Yeah. Talking to real people. Yes. It's. Yeah. it's um, yeah. That would be very. That would be very cool. That's. Uh,
3: that would be quite the. Quite the dream. I mean, that's one thing that I'm working on now is. uh there's a very interesting podcast that recently come out, uh, The Alabama Astronaut.
1: Okay. It's
3: by my friend Abe Partridge. Uh, he spent his pandemic, that, that two-year period, uh, in North Alabama uh, up to West Virginia mm. with uh, snake handlers. Wow. And it's not about the religion. It's about their music. Mm. And I would argue it's more rock and roll than a lot of rock and roll is today. Really? and so that that album is about to come out but that whole podcast is about Abe's journey he had a little field record, recorder wow just going around to these different churches and telling these people stories
1: that's been fascinating what's it called Alabama astronaut that's right okay
3: yeah check that out man cause, and that's kind of like what Abe did is that kind of idea of what you kind of do you know like yeah. you got your field recorder and yeah you sit down and like all right let's let's talk about this
1: yeah just going into a community and just experiencing it. Mm-hmm. There was a book I read last year. I think a couple of people here have told me about it as well, called uh, Dispatches from Pluto. Okay. Which is about, it's a true story from about five, six years ago about the, this English guy that was living in New York. And he bought an old plantation house in the Delta and moved down with his girlfriend. And it's just about him trying to sort of Restore this old house, but assimilate into the community. Mm-hmm. And I just love those things where someone just comes in and, you know, yeah, that's that's a real. Cool you may story. as well be an alien in a different place. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the, the inter- interesting thing for me as well is that I think English-speaking countries think well they're linked by the language, mm-hmm. and so I think England and America. Often think, oh well, we have a lot in common because of that. But there's a lot of cultural stuff that you then realize, man, we really are very different in some ways, but we speak the same language, and so it, that's why it's. I think it just works particularly well because I thought about, well, I do want to do a series where I would go somewhere like Italy or France, mm-hmm. but the thing is, I think you restrict yourself because people that speak English are inherently going to be slightly skewed because they speak English. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to get the equivalent of going out to a bar in the middle of nowhere. Being able to speak French or Italian. Yeah, or. where maybe someone, you know, you're they're going to be educated to a point that they're going to have learned English and be a little bit more international. And it's there's something very unique about going somewhere where you have a shared language because you can talk to anyone no matter the background. Yeah, and, uh, you can always tell the accent
3: too, like... I, I had a friend here on the show. He goes by Frenchie. Mm. He's from France, All right. and he came to America twenty, twenty-five years ago. He's a he's a guitarist and a singer, and he would end up running into uh, some fairly big names of like Shooter Jennings, Waylon Jennings' son. Okay, and they would play rock and roll bands together and now he's like based outside of like the dallas fort worth area and he's got him a blues band and like it's so fun talking to frenchy because like you know you can tell like a french accent on english right Mm. it it just comes out a certain way (laughs) yeah yeah Which you know it's props to you you know because like when i speak spanish it sounds like A southern accent on spanish and i know that has to be hilarious right yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but i I do i do know what you mean man it's like even like you know south africa i mean they speak english australia Mm. you know and i would love to cover some some of those stories yeah
1: yeah there's a town that i've always been fascinated by in australia it's pretty much right in the middle in the desert called alice springs uh-huh and i just i kind of want to do what i'm doing here there at some point because it's just you know in the summer which i guess is our winter it, you know it's like 115 every day yeah <laughs> but to just go into a community like that and live and uh that would be very cool I've always wanted to go to Australia too, and it's fascinating. Like we have all the
3: natural storms and disasters here, and it seems like every animal in Africa or in Australia wants to kill you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of the funniest videos, like I saw, was uh, this kangaroo had a guy's dog, like had it wrapped around the neck, yeah, and that dude walks out there and punches that kangaroo in the face, (laughs) and just kind (laughs) of dazes it. And he lets the dog go, and then he's, like, squared up. I was like, I know you ain't about to fight a
1: kangaroo. (laughs) It's like, Australians go hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Robin Williams once did a joke that ended up creating a whole international controversy because he did a joke about how Australians were, like, English rednecks. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's kind of unfair on them, but I could kind of see because their accent is a bit, you know, I can't, I'm not going to try and do the Australian acts, but it's kind of a little bit like, it's kind of, yeah. you know, crosses over a little bit with that kind of weird, whiny, weird, top. And so he did a joke about that. And then Australia got mad at him. <laughs> and then I think, something like was an Australian diplomat or prime minister said something like, you know, I think Mr. Mr. Williams should uh, try visiting Alabama before he calls other people rednecks. And then the governor of Alabama <laughs> was like, "Well, Prime Minister Australia can." Don't oh, you come over here? Yeah, <laughs> created some some huge Got a whole beef international debacle. Yeah, I thought it was really funny.
3: Yeah, we, Alabama does get a it gets a bad rap. Mm. I know that, like, just on a on a world perspective, like. I think that is the capital of people thinking
1: redneck. Right. <laughs> what was interesting, though, because I want to talk to you about this, and I've been trying to talk to some other people. I did this last night, and in, in Double D's as well, was I'd pitch up at these places, and they'd say, man, man, what are you doing here in some redneck bar? And I thought it was interesting they described themselves as yeah. as a redneck, because I feel like that's often used as an insult towards other people. Some so people for, own it. for some To own it, yeah. It's almost like I'm going to call myself that before you you do. Mm-hmm. I'm
5: and going to go ahead and own up to it, yeah. Yeah.
1: It almost, I mean, I don't really want to draw the comparisons, but it almost felt a little bit like how some, not all, but some African-Americans would adopted uh, the N-word mm-hmm. in their own community. And I kind of wondered if it was like rednecks doing the same thing of like, okay, here's this thing, you might call me that. Well, I'm going to call myself that. That's quite the
3: observation. I think I'd agree with that. I, I think it would be that because I mean, just with the origin of the N word, it was meant to be a, a, put down. Yeah.
1: And then next feels- thing you
3: know is the culture picks it up, and then they just kind of, it's their word now.
1: Yeah. If if we if we use it and we take the power out of it, then yeah.
3: uh, kind of turns it on its head.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. That might be. That might be it. I want to talk to some rednecks about that. Yeah. But,
3: uh... yeah, I'm from small town Alabama, but and I've been called a redneck a lot because of where I'm from. But I would never really identify as like being a redneck. I mean, look at me. I got a computer.
1: <laughs> You've got shoes. Yeah, I've got <laughs>
3: shoes. I
1: mean, I'm well on my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's interesting, and yeah, I it it is. Or it's just the self awareness, I guess people have as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, but that
3: that is, that is wild. Like they would, they called they called it what it was. That's how they described it. Their own place. Yeah. Jeez. Because, like, you know, when I when I think about Muddy Waters, I kind of think of that as like it's it's the redneck bar in town, mm. or even like you know when I think about the Princess, you know It's it's more inclusive to all walks of life. Mm and uh, draws a certain crowd. It's right. like you're, I think, more creative types. And, yeah, uh, I don't... Uh, I think Enneagrams, Eights, like the real creatives yeah. and the business-minded.
1: Yeah, it's... So each place
3: kind of draws its own.
1: I think it's often, because also I think Redneck has that connotation with being, I don't know, like, guns and trucks and i don't know that's you know that's the stereotype yeah but often you meet those people and it's like well i do have a truck and i do like shooting so yeah yeah i'll call myself (laughs) i call myself a redneck yeah um yeah I, i it's it's been interesting for me because i've met a lot of people in columbus and you know a town even a sort of smaller town in a in rural mississippi is going to have a different view to the people in the countryside so i'm trying to get the full perspective because you know the town is going to be one aspect and the country will be the other but it's been a bit harder to find those people or find them willing to do interviews you know yeah that's (laughs) what i was
3: wanting to tell you about michael's uh on the east side of columbus Mm -hmm. and so traditionally that would be uh, a motorcycle bar right so you would definitely get like a different piece of columbus because there is a motorcycle community here in town. Really? Mm-hmm. and uh and also it's like a sport bar where you can go to watch watch your sports or you can shoot pool darts mm-hmm. and so uh, a lot of different walks of life hang out there
1: mm. i sometimes wonder if people are just more guarded about what they think cause they, especially if you have a microphone they think you're going to misrepresent them or you're going to put it out of context and, you yeah. know, I get it it's... one thing
3: that I've been really trying to do like you know with my, I'll, I'll leave the coughs most of the time but like I try to I don't really edit mm. anything just just let it let it all go yeah. let it all stand because yeah. when you get to chopping and screwing
1: with a conversation you really can you can you can make it you can yeah really change the whole tone of it and mm-hmm. what people meant by it and I found that trick, because I I do edit mine down but then I'll send it to people before I put it out and say look are you are happy you, are with you cool this? with this yeah have I and and often people will say oh but you know there was something else I added could you put that back in for a bit of context and I will because I don't want people to feel like I've misrepresented them. And if they say they don't want to use it at all, I won't put it out. You know, it's yeah.
3: what have you uh what have you found like just within Columbus or like going in and out to those rural areas, like just with uh have you seen any racism just open?
1: There was one bar I went to where Yeah, I, I mean I overheard a conversation and they were throwing around the N word and I was like it feels yeah, it yeah, <laughs> felt very uncomfortable. Yeah, and that was the kind of extent of it. Maybe you know, it's more. Maybe there's more. It's more polished. Maybe there are there are there could have been people I've met that might you know have those feelings and they haven't shown them to me, but it seems to so far in Columbus have been pretty, been pretty good. Yeah, and it's a predominantly black town. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was talking to someone about i've just been walking around exploring and some people would say well, i wouldn't go down to that part of town if i were you and everyone's been really nice so far it's i
3: take that with a grain of salt because yeah. you know whether it's daytime or nighttime of i like to walk the streets mm-hmm. of i have i don't really have a street that i avoid yeah of i think a lot of it is like your demeanor and of how you treat people how you and, treat people yeah uh, I think if you come off like maybe you feel a little paranoid, or mm. uh, or maybe you you kind of seem like you're you're worried, you're kind of opening yourself up to something that may not have been. Yeah, but if you because I mean people can read people,
1: you know. Yeah, but if you smile and you wave and you yeah. say ask people how they're doing, I think mm-hmm. it diffuses a lot of tension. Yeah, I have found it's interesting that if it's just people I've been talking to or people who are drawn to me, but I've met a lot more progressive people here conservative people mm-hmm. and I know that there must be conservative people about I mean I looked at the sort of out of curiosity election map before I came you yeah. know it seems fairly 50-50 but yeah. I don't know if it's just that conservative voices are more guarded now or if that's a sign that, that I think that, they do feel that way the town is is becoming a, a more left leaning I don't know I think that uh, conservatives
3: they are a lot more guarded especially on social media hmm especially with like everything that we're beginning to find out about the Twitter files that Elon are releasing like um, it was it was on both sides of the political spectrum but it did seem to lean heavier toward attacking the right right and so like even in public now I I do believe like conservatives are they they hold their cards very close to their chest and I, I think they feel like they have to I think they feel persecuted right whether that's whether that's real or not, I couldn't say. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe it, but I, I would say that they they certainly feel that way. It's interesting,
1: and it's but it's also interesting that they feel more. Got it. I don't know if that's a sign. You could say that that's, they feel more attacked, or that they feel more. That train. Not,
3: She's going in there.
1: <laughs> we'll give it a minute. Yeah. Time is a it-
3: Well, there you have it. You have uh, the train downtown Columbus. We're catching a little bit of everything. We got the rain. We got the train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do believe like they feel like they have to hold their cards closer
1: to their chest. Mm. And I wonder if that's a symptom of either them feeling just more broadly kind of under more scrutiny, or if it's just a sense that you know. 30, 40 years ago, they'd feel like, "Okay, my town is predominantly going to agree with me, so I can say what I feel." But now it's changed a bit, so now I've got to be more. Yeah, I'm a I'm a minority. Watch now. what I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I don't it's know. been
3: interesting. Like, uh, it's something that I've kind of been paying attention to uh, as I go out, just within the nightlife. And this ain't really like a political left-right thing, but it is like. One thing I have noticed, and I think it's been true for all time, but I've, specifically since I've been paying attention lately, is that uh, it seems like the women are really, really into, like, a very masculine man, right. and, like, uh, the the more, and I don't mean it negatively, it's just how it is, those guys are more alpha, where they're not really attracted to, like, a, a beta type, like, right. they really want, like, the, they want a man, you know, right. uh, and that's been interesting to see because uh, I think men, especially uh, here in America, have been emasculated for years. Eighty-five percent of divorces are filed by women here. And uh, I'm, I've been real curious about, like, when I'm out and about and just seeing how things shake out with people trying to hook up and, like, what what are they into and what attracts them and what do they find repulsive and <laughs> just feeling all that out interesting Cause it, it's 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 the the dating pool and the nightlife is uh, very interesting in this town to me I haven't I have not figured it out and I've been here for most of my
1: life <laughs> god you could do a whole series just on that really dating in a in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not, I don't think it's a
3: hard thing to do. I think all you have to do is ask, but, uh, yeah. Maybe it's that cards being held real close to the chest. Uh, People Mm. send mixed signals, or, or,
1: I don't know. Yeah, I feel like, especially in a town where it's mixed it's like a little dance you do with everyone you're sort of figuring out where people stand on different Mm -hmm. issues and usually it just seems it's best you don't ever address anything yeah because otherwise you risk you know it's not a huge place you risk burning a bridge or being awkward with with someone then Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: yeah it's uh it's definitely a dance yeah with that i think it's important to have those conversations though even if you don't agree yeah but it's getting to a point to where it's, it's, it's really hard to have those conversations. It's almost like the politics has become like the religion. Mm. And it's the the politicians is the altar that they worship at. I don't know.
2: Mm.
3: It's very... Uh, I don't like it. Mm. Uh, but I mean, I, I guess that's just kind of where we are with uh, in the culture right now. Mm. It seems to me that America is leaving uh, its... Uh, I guess Christian roots would be a way to put it. It's kind of it's kind of going more secular, hmm. and I mean, you, I think if a culture walks away from a, a belief in God, you have to fill that belief with something,
1: right? And what do you think it's being filled with?
3: I think politics. Okay. I think identity politics. I think that's why, I like, like, there's a lot of violence in the streets, and uh, I think a lot of it is politically motivated. I, not here. But if you, I mean, if you hop on, like, Twitter or some social media with these street journalists, I mean, especially during, like, the election season, I mean, like, there were people just being shot in the back of the head just because of their political beliefs. Wow. Minding their own business. They weren't even out, like, protesting. They were just, there's one, get him. Boom. You know? Wow. It's pretty wild. Mm. With, like, the Antifa and Proud Boys and... All these different factions that are,
1: yeah, I mean, I haven't just followed it closely, you know, it's not supposed to be to American politics, mm-hmm. but I think it's I know a spectacle of the
3: world right. like a a lot of people like not from here are very interested in our politics. It's mm. very interesting,
1: yeah yeah
3: i didn't I didn't care anything about politics until Donald Trump, right, it kind of woke me up until I was like. Man, this guy's a bull—a bull in a china shop. You really, know? he's like shaking things up. This guy is a disaster. <laughs> it was like, it was interesting, like seeing how many people that broke over like his time in leadership. Mm. Very, very interesting time in American history. I, I'm wondering, like, in twenty, twenty-five years, when they start writing about it in the books, like, if I'm going to remember it differently than what they say it was. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I know, it always feels like when you're in the middle of something, whether it's as much of a turning point as you feel like it is. Right. feel feel the world right now feels like there's it's on in some shift. But I don't know if every generation feels like that they've gone through that. Yeah. It's like war in Ukraine and mm-hmm. you know, politics is so polarized and. I don't know, it, it, you know, as you said, like, it's, it's it shouldn't be this warm now, like, the weather is changing, and every, it, it just, mm-hmm. it feels like you're on the, the cusp of some turning point, but maybe everyone feels like that. At some point in their life, yeah. 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 And maybe it's just waking up, you know, I'm like, I'm 32, and maybe that's around the age, you just become a bit more aware of what's going on in the world.
3: I think social media kind of throws a lot of gas on that fire to where you're, you're, uh, whole lot more aware of things going on throughout the world that you would never hear about Mm. and uh i think that's kind of a black pill you know that's kind of a pill of doom that it's kind of it kind of it brings you down it kind of depresses you a little bit Mm. when you see just how despicable things can be yeah but there's but on the on the white side on the on
1: the hope side of it is there's a lot of good out there too Mm. i do think yeah social media is just you just scream at people that you could actually have a conversation with and um yeah it's
3: yeah that's one thing that especially like facebook is like typically people that i know and if they post something that i don't typically agree with i'll just keep moving yeah. because like how many people's minds have you changed by getting in an argument on your social media hmm. zero hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> Like, man, you totally changed my mind with that comment. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, People double and triple down. Mm. And then you get heated. (laughs) So, like, I think, like, maybe you see the post, and maybe next time you see them out in public, maybe have a conversation about it. Right. But it's, it's, back to what we were saying, it seems it's very hard to have those kind of conversations. Yeah. To
1: find some kind of middle ground. Yeah. I can't remember who it was that was talking about i mean pretty almost all debates whether it's social media whether it's you know like the presidential debates they have that uh, who was it I wonder, it might have been someone it was a comedian but they were saying almost what was the point in having those those first debates when it would have been i guess it would have been trump and i can't even remember was it trump and hillary no was it no it's trump and biden biden in sixteen, it was Trump and Hillary. And, Trump and Hillary, and then it was, and then in yeah. twenty
3: twenty, it was Biden. But and like,
1: who is Trump. watching those debates, going, "Well, that's a good point," but then on the other hand, it's like you made Nobody. your mind up the moment they announced. Yeah, and so <laughs> yeah, what's the point of even doing yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Who's there with their notepad, going, "Well, that's a good one." Should I
3: think it, I think it's more for like the independents, the people who who are not uh, blue or red. Like, right. There, I mean, and there are people who, mm. you know, well, I don't know. Let me. But I think that that is the population of the vote that typically swings the country one way or the other. So, uh, I mean, those people and their votes are very important. Mm. So that would be the, and I'm talking like 15% of the population. You know, you're not, but they do exist. Yeah. But that comedian does have the point because most people already have their mind made up.
1: Mm.
3: And I mean, you could be like a, a turd, a polished turd. Running against a ham sandwich and like, I'm taking a turd. <laughs> I don't like ham sandwiches, you know. Yeah. And it, it would it would be that polarizing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's curious just to see where where it all leads. Hmm. But I mean, like you said, it's that uh that whole Russia Ukraine thing. I mean that that's affecting the whole world. I'm I'm very curious to see how Europe's going to be this winter. With, I uh, you know I. The natural gas, or however they're going to heat their homes to stay warm.
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I'm very concerned about that. Below freezing at home now. It's snowing, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're you know we're a little more insulated from it. But you know, Poland they had it. They shut off the gas from Russia, didn't they? And you well now now they're bombing power stations in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I think did they even? I think it was the UN or someone had said like that's considered a. You know, a war crime because you're just purposefully trying to deny people the ability to heat their homes when it's sub freezing. I mean, that's that can kill an awful lot of people. Yeah, quicker than a bullet too. Mm. Uh,
3: yeah, that that was so strange to me. Like the timing of that. It's like we we were just as a world coming getting over a you know worldwide COVID pandemic. Mm. You know what a really cool thing would be. Let's go to war. <laughs> Let's let that pop off. <laughs> yeah. What a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a yeah.
1: cheery thing to. Oh. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, man, we have uh, covered uh, quite a bit of ground. I got three more questions uh, for you to walk it out of the door. Okay. Question number one is uh, where can people find your work? Uh, as far as the podcast and, or if, uh, do you do any kind of photography and like you're showing like a little bit of your journey online?
1: I mean, I, you know, I'll put the odd thing on Instagram that is off the beaten Jack. Okay. It's the name of the show and the name of the Instagram. I think I should double check that. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. And then the podcast you can get anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, most common off the beaten Jack and, uh, or on the website. It's the same. Right. On. Get it there. Yeah. All right. Question two is, um, what has
3: been the most surprising thing to you about Columbus since you've been here?
1: That's a good question. Most surprising thing? The parade. The Christmas parade. Oh, you enjoyed that? I did not think a town that was fairly small would have such a huge parade. (laughs) We watched that.
3: uh, My friend, he has a downtown apartment of... and so we watched it from uh, from his window at his apartment. I mean, and it was the first time that I had watched the Columbus Parade in years, and it was a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be.
1: Marching bands, soldiers, mm-hmm. fire trucks, people in their cars. Yeah, I was. Oh, you had Miss Columbus, and I had Miss Columbus, I had the mayor mm-hmm. driving down there, and um, <coughs> I was thinking, you know, it's like that's i suppose if you have such a huge military is that you know when people are not serving overseas you have this huge force of people that can be called on to to do things and part of that is mm-hmm. marching down main street at a parade mm-hmm. that's our uh that's our army reserves and national guard right mm-hmm. yeah so that that surprised me I, I thought it'd be a kind of pretty humble little thing but that was us fire trucks and yeah Police cars it was the whole world <laughs>
3: If you want to see a little humble little parade, you ought to see my hometown's parade. If you walked in the opposite direction, it could be over in about thirty seconds. Wow, <laughs> very small thing. Which, where I'm from, it's like uh, a little over three hundred people. Isn't really, it?
2: what's
1: it called? It's Kennedy, Kennedy, Alabama. Mm-hmm. All right.
3: I graduated with twenty-six people in my class. Wow. Real, we knew each other very well. Mm. It's like brothers and sisters. <laughs> Alright, uh last question to walk it out of the door. What was your favorite part about this interview? Oh. It's a good
1: question. Actually it's probably before we even hit record you gave me that recommendation for a Duke joint. Ah uh, yeah. The Blue Front Cafe? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah,
3: down in Bentonia. Yeah. Yeah, go meet Jimmy, man. He's always there and so that's kind of like the uh the Monson and Brothers of mm. Bentonia. Of uh, it's a it's a hub for people mm. to hang out it's a place where the community gets their news
2: mm.
3: it's where they get uh, their, uh, you know you can get groceries there if you need flour to make bread or if you need if you want to come in and have a cold drink or you know if you need if you need candy for the kids or it's, it's a little place to come get some groceries and yeah. then you know Thursday Friday Saturday night it's a good place to go and hear some blues
1: well, I can't wait. Yeah, man. Yeah, I need to find, because he's coming in on the 29th, my brother. And we were thinking, do we want to stay in New Orleans? They're for... doing their Christmas party uh, this weekend. Oh, really? Saturday. Nice. Because we were going to think, we could we could have uh, New Year's Eve in New Orleans, but then we thought it would be, that more be fun, fun to, I think, almost go to a small town and go to somewhere. I think New either New way Z- you play that, you'll yeah. have a
3: blast. I think uh, New Year's Eve on Bourbon Street would be quite the experience. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'll have to give some thought to it. Yeah.
3: Bye, <laughs> well, right, Jack. Thank you so much. No,
1: man. thank you, Alan. It's been a
5: pleasure.
0: Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming.